What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. This is the solo podcast that I have been holding off sharing with the world. I was waiting until I was really ready to communicate what was going on for me and to be able to communicate it in such a way that it would be able to provide value for you and your life as well. When I share, I really desire for you to hear what I say and be able to take some of the insights that I'm receiving for myself and then be able to go and apply those to your own life to be able to start to question your own way of living, your own honoring of self, your own connection of self, really getting deep into the question of what is it that you have been distracting yourself doing that is preventing you from being able to live the life that you say that you're really fucking here for? What are your desires? Are you showing up powerfully in the face of partnership? Is your little girl running the show? What the fuck do you really want for your beautiful life? I would just hate for all of us to live life in the way in which society has told us and then get to the end and be like, well, that fucking was not fulfilling and I did everything that everyone else told me to do that I thought would bring me fulfillment and happiness, but I dishonored my own truth in the face of all of that and it was never willing to get uncomfortable because I feared having to navigate the seas of discomfort And so just to not have to face off with emotional turmoil and pain, I just played it safe. I played it safe my whole life and I never really got to live the life that I really thought I was fucking here for. I never got to access the heights of joy, the heights of pleasure, the heights of intimacy, the depths of intimacy. I just played it safe and a safe life is what I created. And then it felt monotonous, it lacked meaning and I was bored, but I was never willing to dive headfirst into the deep end. Strap yourself in fam, this is one hell of a podcast episode journey I'm about to take you on. Let's fucking go. I am sitting here in my beach hut in Changu in Bali and today marks the completion of the fourth official week in Bali. And this is the podcast that I have been putting off. Really, you know that I'm such a sharer. I am such a sharer. There's just a part of me that can't not share the honest experience of whatever I'm navigating. Like someone said to me the other, I think it was Stephanos at the beginning of our guest episode, I shared with him that Jake and I had completed our relationship and that I'd come to Bali. So halfway through the episode, he's like, you can pause this and not obviously put it in if you haven't shared with the world. I'm like, I would actually love to not be able to share, but I'm just so honest that whatever is going on inside of me just somehow like comes out of my mouth anyway. But what I wanted for this particular podcast was for me to feel grounded in being able to deliver it. And to be able to actually be with my human experience of everything that's unfolded because it's been really big. And on any given day, this podcast, with all the kind of very turbulent emotions that have come with this big decision, this podcast could have sounded very different on any given day. So I really desired to be with myself in the intensity of everything that was going on before I was able to share. So it's not been the easiest four weeks, fam. It just has not. So strap yourself in because this is going to be amazing. Essentially, I came back from that seven weeks of going to Gold Coast, Sydney, Austin, Texas, New York, and the Whit Sundays. And as I was coming back to Perth, when I touched down on Perth soil, I immediately felt this deep sense of just boredom and monotony in my body. And for a really long time, I was looking at my relationship feeling like my relationship wasn't turning me on and I had so much complaint around our intimacy and our sex and my desire for more and more turn on and more aliveness. And when I was away in New York City, 
I was just so constantly turned on, like sexual energy flooded my body. I was like, what the fuck? Like nothing around me is sexual and I am just feeling this sensation that I have not experienced in such a long time. And I realized it isn't the turn on, it isn't the person, it isn't being touched, it isn't my intimacy with self. It was the aliveness of life that I was present to that was creating all of this war feeling in my body and I was loving it. I was just like, this is amazing. I feel fucking alive on the inside. Where has this feeling been? So I had that awareness, like coming back to the body, the sensations that are occurring. As soon as my plane touched down in Perth, it was gone. I was just like, oh, this like blank, bored, monotonous feeling of almost nothingness. Boredom is exactly the sensation that I could describe that I was experiencing. As soon as the wheels touched down in Perth, it was like, oh, great, here again. And it's not that Perth isn't, I just don't want to caveat this and say that Perth is amazing. Perth is so incredible. Perth is beautiful. If you love the beaches like I do, oh, the most spectacular beaches in all the world. It's just the most beautiful place and space. And yet it feels so done by me. And even my mentor said to me when I was in America, he said, Beck, I would hate for you to have babies and then get to 45 and look back and think, I never got out. I never tried anything different. And it just impacted me in such a way where I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to have babies in like five, six years. These are such important moments. Every single minute of every single day of my life right now is so important. And if I'm not truly living out my purpose, living a life that's fully in my alignment right now, what the fuck am I doing? If I'm not feeling alive, turned on, just present to life, what the fuck am I doing? It's like wake up, coffee, morning routine at the beach, work all day, go to the gym, go to bed, done, rinse and repeat, wait for the weekend. And I'm just like, life wants me to really experience so much more of it. I mean, it's why I fucking love Bali. It's like time collapses and I get four days in one. Not only do I get my morning routine, not only do I do so much more work, I do so much more work. I see so many more clients. I'm on so many more podcasts. I do so much more creative content. I'm just like, I just do like so much more and I have the best fucking workout, morning routine, and I see friends and I do something social. I'm just like, literally, I do more in one day in Bali than what I do in a whole week in Perth. And I've been so triggered by so much in my life this past year. I love Jake with just all of my heart and all of my soul. I love him. He's literally, I want you to get this fam, my favorite person. Like I'll start crying. He's my favorite person I have ever met in my entire life. I love him so much, so much. He's like the best human ever, the best, literally the best. No, I thought I wouldn't cry today. And I feel like this past year, I've witnessed someone working so hard on their mission and I've kind of felt triggered by it. I've realized even though I'm working on my mission, like my mission is global and I felt kind of stuck with like, oh my God, I've got this beautiful human who I love so much, but I feel so stuck here in Perth and he's working on his mission and his mission coming, my mission. And so it's kind of created this intense conflict inside of me of like leave someone that I love so much and go and live out my mission or stay resentful and just frustrated at witnessing someone so dedicated to their mission, but I'm self-abandoning. If I stay in Perth, I've kind of hit 
my glass ceiling. I'm like, fuck, I'm capable of anything and fucking everything. And I've hit this glass ceiling that I know I can smash through. And I'm just not even inspired to fucking break away from it in Perth. I'm bored. This is not my mission. And so many little signs and symptoms and signals have come my way. Like literally the voice essentially woke me up. Like I have been trying to deny this voice since the plane ride home last year from Amalfi to London. I was asleep on the plane and bang, this voice hit me like a ton of bricks telling me that I was done and complete in Perth, which meant that I would have to end my relationship with Jake. And I've done everything I can to push that voice away and logic my way out of it and be like, nope, that's my inner child wounding. Nope, that's my attachment style. Nope, that's my ego. I've done everything that I can to try and say, no, that is not my truth. I do not want to align with this voice. And it's just created more chaos and more destruction and more conflict. And something really came up in my podcast with Matt Kummer where he spoke about the stages of life and those needing to align because I thought to myself, this is such an aligned person in so many ways. And then when Matt spoke about the stages of life, that's where I thought to myself, wow, his path is his and that's his stage of life. But I, as a powerful partner, have got to honor and support no matter what, no matter what. I have to desire for him exactly what he desires for himself. But equally, I have to, I get to want for me exactly what I want for me and commit to my stage of life. And if they're not aligning at the same time, then I have to get really fucking honest about that. Because if I say, okay, best person in the whole world, my favorite person, and I stay in Perth, but I'm not committed to my path, then I'm just staying in Perth resentful and not actually enjoying my favorite person because I know I'm self-abandoning my mission. And equally, I can't ask him to self-abandon his to come onto mine. And so if the stage of life is just not at the same place at the same time, at the same stage, and they're not intertwining, well, then what? Then I have to be courageous and honor my truth. I've got no other fucking choice. And so what ended up happening for me as I was thinking about all of this was Perth started to feel like, and just Again, saying for anyone that hasn't been to Perth, I'm probably not selling it well. It's absolutely fucking beautiful. Don't come in the winter, come in the summertime, but it's so beautiful. But Perth started to feel like this glass cage that I was in, and especially my beach house. Ripping that from me just opened everything up. It's like I took myself out of my comfort zone. I was like a little retiree in Trig Beach with all the wealthy, white, affluent, 80-year-olds, yet I'm 34 and desiring aliveness and pleasure, and I'm just like doing the same shit as them except working on my laptop in the middle of the day. It was fucking time to like cut the umbilical cord and go as much as it created a lot of turmoil for me. It's probably one of the greatest things to happen at this point in my life. But now as I reflect on Perth, Perth to me feels like this glass cage where I'm standing in this glass cubicle and everything inside the cubicle is beautiful. It's like a beautiful house on the beach and or a beautiful house on the river. It's a gorgeous partner, my favorite person in the whole wide world in the cubicle with me. It is a nice family. It's a healthy body. It is a successful business. It's just all the things that people tell you should just be grateful for and you should be happy and fulfilled with. Like, isn't that enough for you, Rebecca? And then I'm standing in the glass cubicle hearing everyone else's voices telling me that I should, you should be happy with what you've got. And I'm not unhappy with it. I'm not saying I don't love it and I'm not grateful for it. I am. There are so many things in that cubicle that I love and I adore and I appreciate. But it's like on the other side of the glass is my fulfillment, is my aliveness, is my pleasure, is my desire, is my experience of like truly fucking living life. 
And the glass is so frustrating because number one, everyone's telling you, everyone else would be so happy if they had what you had. And it's like, Rebecca, should I just be happy with what I've got? Well, well, maybe they're right. And then it's like, but I can also see my dreams. It's not a cage. It's not any, it's clear. I can see it's right over there. I just have to walk out and leave. And so that to me is exactly what Perth became. Just like this nicety, this monotony, this I just should be happy because lots of people would be happy if they had what I've got. But my truth is that I'm not and I'm craving and yearning for more. So what the fuck, Rebecca, are you going to do about it? And so the glass cage was there. That analogy was super present for me. The awareness of the voice, the truth that woke me up on the plane from Amalfi to London in October of fucking last year was still talking, still talking to me. Conflict was occurring between myself and Jake. I wasn't being the most beautiful, loving partner. I was frustrated because I wasn't committing to my stage of life. And I felt like I'd said yes to so many things that were on his timeline, moving out of my home sooner than what I desired, moving closer to where he lives, all these things that were just like, oh, I'm now fitting into your life. What are the fuck about mine? And maybe I didn't speak up and use my voice enough. I've just been so reflective about what I did do, what I didn't do, what I could have done better, how I could have been a more powerful partner, how I could have loved Jake more, how I could have supported him more, how I could have all the things that I feel like I've done quote unquote wrong, all the times that I've showed up for my wounds, all the times that I didn't speak my desires. Like I'm really like truly in a place of this breakup has essentially cracked my fucking heart open to be like, oh, Like, I really feel deeply hurt in all the times that I haven't given Jake the love that he really deserves. Like, I know when I'm hurt, I know I withhold love. And I know that's something really awful to do to a person. And I've really been reflective, like, oh my God, I wasn't honoring my truth. Therefore, I was experiencing frustration. And then I would take love away. And I just think that's so horrible. I know that I will come out a better woman because of all of this experience. And then even asking myself, like, where did all those yeses come from where I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'll move in. Yeah, okay, I'll move into the river house. Like, where did all of that come from? When there was no pressure, like Jake would never want me to not honor my boundaries or not use my voice. But it's so deep seated. Like I see it in me so intensely. And I know for a fact that it comes from witnessing my parents as a child. I know that I would ask my mum for something. And I always used to get so frustrated because I'd feel like my requests were really reasonable. And I would say, hey, mum, can I fill in the blank, whatever it was, can I please go to Danica's house this weekend for four hours? Or Danica has slept over mine the past three weekends and can I please have a sleepover at hers? And mum would say, yes, you can, but let's just go and ask your father. And if he says yes, then absolutely. Then I would go and ask dad and dad would say no. And I know for a fact that I learned in those moments. Mum's voice isn't important. Even if mum's a yes, if dad's a no, then the answer is no. The man's voice is more important. And this is so deep seated. Like this is childhood stuff, fam. Like when I was in America and I was talking to my mentors, I was standing there talking to Preston, Alexi and Sigrid. I've had them all on the podcast. In fact, Preston's is coming up in a few weeks. And I was standing there and I was talking to them about my relationship, my desires for life, my desires to connect on a deeper level with my own eroticism, my desire for what I wanted to experience intimately and sexually with Jake. And Sigrid and Alexi turned to me and they said, one of the domains of relationship that the woman is meant to lead Because I was like, I don't want to fucking lead it. I want him to lead it. They're like, one of the domains of relationship that the woman is meant to lead is the eroticism in the bedroom. And I was just like, nah, fuck that. I don't agree. (laughs) And I turned to Preston and I was like, what do you think? And they both said to me, I think it was Sigrid. She was like, there you go, Beck. Just go and ask the man. Like, I didn't even consciously think 
I'm not going to listen to what the women are saying, physically turn my body and look at the man. But that's naturally, without even a cognitive thought about it, that is so entrenched in my way of being and thinking from childhood that there is a part of me, even though that's not my truth as a woman, I want you to understand this. I am all about the woman owning her voice, becoming so committed to her own truth, listening to her own truth, seeking guidance equally from men and women. But it's so ingrained that dad's voice is the voice and his answer can override the woman that in that moment, let me turn and look at Preston. What does he have to say? I was mind blown. Like even now I'm like, this is so deep, Rebecca. And there has been conflict with Jack where he's like, why did you not honor your truth if that was not your truth? It's like, I have to, I get to, I'm doing the work to underpin this, but override something that is so ingrained. But in the face of this now, I see the destruction that it causes because it created resentment for me because I'm looking at this person, my favorite person in the whole world, and I'm feeling resentful. They're like, oh my God, I'm like on your fucking timeline. What about my timeline? And he's like, what about your communication about your timeline? Don't just jump over to mine and then complain that we're living mine, but you haven't given a voice to what is really important to you. So I'm really looking, fam, at some really, really deep stuff right now. And so as I come from the plane ride from the Whit Sundays to Perth and I land like wheels touch the ground and all of a sudden, boom, monotony, boredom, like, oh my fucking God. It was literally like, what am I going to do in Perth for the next three months? What am I going to do in Perth in the winter? My partner is working so much. I don't want to just hang out to do like one activity on the weekend. What am I going to do? I'm going to waste three months of my life on Zoom, helping other women fucking live their courageous, authentically led brave lives while I'm sitting here bored. Well, that's not fucking an integrity. And someone asked me what supported me to come to the decision. It was literally the awareness of the sensations that were occurring in my body in America and in the Sundays, the aliveness that I felt, the turn on, the sexual energy by absolutely nothing sexually pleasurable arousing me. That to me was my biggest and the wheels touching the ground in Perth and that feeling, it's like I could grab the inside of my body and like rip it out and that be a form of energy. It was like gone, no more aliveness now. And yeah, it was really hard. It was actually quite quick. And it was a quick decision from that moment to get up and leave. And so that was, I think I got home on the Sunday and I had left for Bali the following Saturday morning. And since then, the emotions have been really big. I relate Perth to swimming in the sea of certainty where the ocean is just flat or you're maybe even in the river. Your emotions are consistent. You know what is coming. There's no aliveness. There's no big fulfillment. There's no heights of pleasure and joy, but there's no pain and anguish. Yes, there's boredom. There's like dissatisfaction, but there's no grief. There's no hurt. There's no sadness. There's no loss. There's there's no heights. There's no lows. It's just like, just mediocre, just mediocre. And that's what I call swimming in the sea of certainty. It's just a human so fearful to take the courageous aligned action that they know that they could get to take, that I knew that I got to take out of fear of all the emotion that would come. So I make my decision, I get on the plane and just, oh my God, the waves of emotions that were hitting me just, I've experienced myself more in this past four weeks than I ever have in such a long time, in such a long time. I think the last big amount of emotion that came was obviously the house move. And then prior to that, the last time I experienced emotion to this capacity, to this degree, was the breakup with the man that I really loved in the herpes virus that was obviously happening at the same time. It was the last time so much emotion and so much meeting myself has occurred. And so in the face of coming 
to Bali and all of these emotions flooding my system. I've really had the opportunity to meet myself in ways deeper and more intentionally than ever before because the emotions have been so confronting. I mean, I'd been swimming in the fucking sea of certainty. So they were just like, (laughs) there wasn't really big emotions to really tend to. And so in this, and obviously detaching from someone who is my best friend, someone that I love so much, someone who is my favorite person, someone who I speak to every single day. This is my first week not speaking to that person and it's hard. This is detaching from familiarity and love and safety. And so I've pictured every major emotion that has come my way as a wave and I love the ocean. The ocean is obviously a teacher of mine and as I picture a wave occurring, it builds, it comes up, the crest of the wave is there. That's a peak that's the very top of the wave. Then it circles over and crashes, rides out into the whitewash and then goes back into the ocean. That's what I picture big emotions to be like. It's something really funny that I've recognized within myself, within my personality. Even though I know this, even though I work with this in the face of really big emotions, my personality at the crest of the wave, at the very top, at the height of my discomfort, my personality loves to attach to that feeling in that right now moment and try to trick me into believing that that's my way of being for the rest of my life and that I'm stuck there. So say it's grief, say it's sadness over letting go of Jake, say it's fear around relationships, say it's whatever is occurring for me, say it's resentment, say it's anger, say it's whatever it is, say it's acceptance, say it's like, oh my God, this is this was the right decision. I At the top, at the crest of the wave, I'm like, this is life forever. And so what I've had to do in the face of this big courageous change And obviously the first week of navigating all of these emotions, it was not pretty and I got to reach out for a lot of support. I get to now prepare myself in advance for how I handle the waves coming my way, how I down-regulate at the height of the wave, who I reach out to for support at the crest of the wave, reminding myself not to take any action or make any decisions at the peak of the wave, even having that anchor to remind myself, Beck, Rebecca, Rebecca is my higher self. You know at the top of this emotion, you're going to believe that this is life forever. And I'm just here to remind you that it's not. This is going to pass. We're just at the crest. I know it feels really uncomfortable right now. Just go and put your feet in some water. Maybe take yourself to the ocean. Call a friend. Can you call Tracy right now? What is it that you can do right here, right now? I promise you, this is going to ride out. You remember, your personality likes to trick you into believing that this is life forever. It's not. Don't message Jake. (laughs) Don't make any phone calls. Don't make any rash decisions. Don't book a flight. Don't do anything. You can be with what's here and feel what you're feeling and even think about the decisions that you want to take and the actions that you want to take. And we will think about doing that again in 24 hours. And if that feels true for you then, then you can go and do whatever you want. You're not stuck. You can get on a plane and go home at any time. You can pick up your phone and call anyone you desire anytime, but let's not do it right here, right now. And then the wave will ride over. And so I hope that provide some kind of insight for you for how you can look to view your big emotions as they start to come your way through any big massive life changes that you're considering taking. I feel like right now women are waking up to, I mean this is what I'm waking up to, what is it that I've been, I keep asking you this question because I'm asking myself this question, what is it that I have been distracting myself doing that is protecting me preventing me from being able to access 
the life that I really say that I'm here for, what the fuck really are my desires? What am I doing that society told me would make me happy? And now I've worked so hard to do that thing, but it's not bringing me the fulfillment that I ultimately really desire and crave for. What do I want? I feel like women right now are waking up to their desire for aliveness and pleasure and committing to that and committing to their own internal path, me committing to my internal path, not what society told me should be my path. I'm even sitting with like, do I want to be Beck Antonucci, this fucking bad bitch on the internet that's like, I can build this huge business and I don't fucking need anyone and I've got myself and I don't need anyone else to provide for me. Like, do I really want that? I, it was even in Alexi's podcast, I think we touched on it. I've really sat back with like, do I really want independence? Was that just another protective mechanism after getting so hurt 10 years ago? I'm going to be fucking successful now. I'm going to provide for myself, make my own income, have this amazing business. Do I really want to help women? I had to really sit with that. Do I really want to support women? Do I? And I was like, yeah, of course I fucking do, but I want to do it from desire, not that I have to. So maybe a part of my softening is calling in this beautiful aligned partner that does desire to really support me. And I do allow to really hold me and lead me. And that maybe I put down the like bad bitch persona. I mean, I love that part of me. And there are so many other aspects of who I am as a woman. I'm just really getting so tapped into the sensations that occur in my body. Like today I was standing there drinking my iced almond latte and I saw a dad wave surfing with his son and just like, oh, dads and their babies and their kids. It just like lights me up and like this big wave would come and he puts him under his arm and they wave surf together. That to me is just like speaking to me. I'm not saying I'm ready for motherhood yet. By the way, just caveat to that. The little kid on the scooter with the little helmet on his head. I'm just like, oh my God, this just brings me so much joy. <laughs> Even fucking nightclubbing. I don't love getting drunk, but I love nightclubs and loud music and dancing and sweat coming out of my ponytail. I'm like, have I actually been committing to my desires? Have I been committed to living my own pleasure led life? Or have I just been busy working? And like, I love that my masculine logical brain can do that and can take aligned action and can create some fucking magic stuff. But what the fuck about me? That's like literally the point that I've got to. What about me? What about my wants? What about my needs? What about my desires? What about my pleasure? And how much more can I benefit all those around me? Not from like entitlement of like, what about my pleasure? But like, what about the kind of life and meaningful memories that I want to make and create so that all the people that I love around me can be impacted by that too? I feel like in my hunt for independence, I lost my nurturance. I've been hurt by people like we all have. But like if you're my best friend on your birthday, you would come home or wake up in the morning to a bedroom full of balloons, all your favorite presents, cupcakes that were specialty made so they're exactly what you want in the exact color that you want, some big activity planned and not from people pleasing and not from overgiving, but from generosity and the joy of what it felt like to pour into someone else. And I have lost that part of me where I'm just like, there's definitely a part of me that's like that person. Remember in my life now, the people who I have loved the most have equally been the same people that have caused the most amount of pain. The partner that I loved, the best friends, they've all hurt and harmed me emotionally and created the most amount of betrayal, abandonment and rejection. Therefore, now there is definitely a part of me, a protective part that's like, mm -mm, not going to pour my whole heart and soul into you because I know on the other side of that incredible height of love is the deep pain. And so that's really the work that I'm getting up to here, softening and opening my own heart so that I can actually pour the magnitude of love that I feel into those around me, which I know up until now I've been really holding back from. So rapid fire questions. I have asked Instagram what you've got for me and I'm going to... 
rapid fire for you. Let's fucking go. Question one, are you having fun? Yes, I am having a lot of fun. I have coincidentally, all my favorite people have been here in my first month. Like wasn't planned, wasn't organized. My girlfriend, Alex, who has been my girlfriend for almost 15 years, she has a label here in Bali. She was here. So we've been able to go on amazing dinners. We have the best conversations. We just laugh. Laughter is my favorite therapy. I've been able to spend quality time with her. Tony, I didn't know, had his friendship trip booked to Bali. So we've had nights out. We've been dancing. We've been nightclubbing. My liver couldn't actually handle him staying any longer, but we've been having beautiful dinners and yeah, it's felt really nourishing for my heart, for my soul, for Tony to be here too. Question two, how is making new friends in Bali? I joined a girl's Facebook page called Girls in Bali and I put up a semi-vulnerable post, photo of me that said, hey, my name is Beck. I've made a big life change. I've completed a relationship. I've moved to Bali on a one-way ticket and I'm desiring to be surrounded by like-minded friendship. The things that I love to do are dancing, delicious dinners, cocktails, activities, exercise, boxing, uh, co-creating, co-working. So if you would love to do something, please message me. So I've created a lot of friendship through that page. I've done actually quite a few activities with incredible women that I've met. I went for a delicious dinner with a woman last night. She was super aligned, really tapped in, really like when I was telling her about my relationship with God, she was like, I love how you speak about your relationship with God. Normally, I usually say universe to make everyone else feel more comfortable with my wording, but I love how you just honor your relationship with God. So yeah, we, we were super aligned. Myself and a group of girlfriends are planning my birthday. I wasn't looking forward to my birthday. I'm like, fucking great. I'm in Bali on my own on my birthday. Broke up with my partner. This is going to be an amazing 35th birthday. Tony is coincidentally here for my birthday. Two Fridays ago when I was at La Brisa having sunset with this new group of girls, we found out that Will Sparks is playing at Surveyor, this nightclub, beach club in beach club in Uluwatu on Friday. And we were talking about maybe going. I was like, oh my God, that can be my birthday party. So we've planned a birthday party, all these girls from this girls group to go out and celebrate my birthday that's coming up this Friday. So yeah, making friends. If you put yourself out there and are intentional about what it is that you really want and desire, you absolutely can create exactly that. What do you love about Bali? Same answer as before. I feel like I get four to five days worth of life in one day in Bali. It feels so fulfilling, like the most incredible use of my time. Question number four, what is your morning routine? So I wake up every single morning. I go down this street. I go down to, I think it's like Times Will Room, which is this beautiful coffee shop with beanbags on the beach. I get my almond milk iced latte. I sit there either journaling or creative writing before my morning boxing class. Question five, are you dating? So because I was so turned on by life in America, I just had all of these fantasies. Like if I was single, then I would be experiencing this, this, that, and that. I would just be like, life was essentially fucking me. And I was just like, I now want to get absolutely just like fucked. And Jake and I haven't been intimate since, I mean, it's been ages. I think from Gold Coast, I flew back to see him for four days. And that was the last time we had a sleepover. So I have not had sex in so fucking long. And when I was traveling, I said to Jake, are you open to me putting my Tinder on and turning on my dating profiles as I travel around? Just essentially for marketing fam. I know that my Instagram can sometimes get hidden in shadow band. So I just wanted to be seen more widespread as I was traveling around and going to the different locations around the world. And Jake was like, yeah, I trust you. You can turn your dating apps on if you want to. And so I already had them on anyway. Not that I was chatting to anyone, obviously, when I was in relationship with Jake. But when I got to Bali, I was like, I am a no to men. <laughs> like, don't fucking touch me but I am a yes to women and or couples. I could be the unicorn. That would be amazing. That would be so fun. That would definitely be 
all my fucking fantasies fulfilled. So I've gone on Tinder. I've had some incredible conversations with really incredible people, which is probably another conversation for another day, especially because of obviously the herpes conversation. It's so funny how embodied I am in this whole herpes conversation and how much of a nothing conversation it is with anyone, including I'm definitely going to share that I definitely thought that a hot woman with herpes is definitely not like your threesome unicorn. And yet we still are. We still are. Anyway, I've got on two dates so far with two amazing women. One was like just a date, me and her. And one was a date. We were going to go on a date first, see if we have chemistry. And then we were going to go on a date with her and her partner. And they were both really amazing dates, really amazing women, like women that I would be friends with anyway. And in this experience of chatting to people and even going on these two dates with these two women and just even thinking about being intimate with someone, there's this part of me now that is like, I feel like when Jake and I first got into a relationship, I never said that I was ready for a relationship. I wasn't not ready, but I was not like, oh my God, I want partnership. And I feel like there's something that has really come online for me now that's like, I actually am ready for a relationship. And what did I love about relationship as well? I love monogamy. I love sharing my body with one person. And I've realized like, oh my God, I had all these fantasies, but I'm not 25 and reactive and being like, oh my God, I'm just going to go and have sex with someone now. In fact, that feels awful. Like, I don't know, having sex with someone that doesn't care for me just feels like a bit yuck for me. And when I think about a man touching me that isn't Jake, it makes me feel really angry. So at the moment, no, I'm not dating because I'm just not ready for it. And my intimacy is with me, myself and I. How did you come to the decision to go to Bali? Was it spontaneous or was it well-planned? I feel like I've been in this place of thinking about what life really looks like and feeling conflicted that it obviously was not aligning with the person that I was with, the person that I loved, and really thinking about, well, what do the next steps really look like? But one morning I was back in Perth and like obviously having all of this conflict come up within me, these sensations of boredom in my body, recognizing the separation, the difference between the aliveness and the pleasure that I felt in New York compared to the monotony and nothingness and boredom that I was feeling in my body as I landed on the plane back in Perth. And one day I did a morning meditation and I visualized my life and I visualized how I wanted it to look for the next year, what I desired to feel, where I desired to live, where I desired to go, what that really looked like. And so I had this visualization practice. I tuned into it and then I asked God, I said, please, God, share with me today a sign to really affirm and confirm for me that this is a path that I get to commit to and take. And then I go to my coffee shop. I went to Yellow. Apparently it's closed down now. I go to Yellow and I walk in and I'm standing there and this woman comes up to me and she goes, you're Beck Antonucci. And she goes, you're fucking funny. I love everything that you talk about. You're so tapped in. You're hilarious. And then she goes to me, what the fuck are you doing here in Perth? And she had her two sons with her. And she's like, this is the place where people settle down. This is a place where you retire. This is a place where you get married. And she pointed to her two sons and she goes, and have kids. But this isn't where you fucking live your life. What are you doing here? And I was like, oh my God, this is the sign from God that I fucking asked her. And I literally said to her, I was like, oh my God, I did a meditation this morning and I prayed to God for a sign from God. And I feel like you were the fucking sign from God. She, and she was like, I am. I actually am. She's like, go global. You're too big for this place. And then I left and she messaged me on Instagram saying, I'm so glad I bumped into you. I'm like, God keeps messaging me. Even on Instagram, he's messaging me. And that was kind of my, you could call it spontaneous. 
But considering that I've heard the voice since the flight from Amalfi to London last year, you could say that it wasn't spontaneous as well. How did you know it was time to go to Bali? And did you want to break up with Jake? I mean, my truth is no, I did not want to break up with Jake at all. Like it's been so confronting, so painful. Like imagine your favorite person in the whole entire world who you like all the same things as, who you eat all the same foods as, who most people annoy me. Like I love people. And also like after a couple of hours, go away. Let's have our own time now. Jake is like literally the only person in the whole world who I just feel like I could spend all day and all night with. And I just adore him as a person. I feel so safe with him. Like it's been really confronting for my inner child to break up with him. And I've said to myself like, oh my God, you know, I feel Jake and I have separated in such a beautiful and respectful way that if we wanted to make our way back together, we definitely could 100%. But I could never choose him. You know, this came up in Safandos's podcast, right? Don't fucking pick your partner from your little girl. And so I've really had to tune into where did I choose Jake from my inner child? Where did I choose Jake from my insecure teenager? Like what parts of my woman were choosing Jake and what parts of my inner child and inner teenager were running the show because my woman can't have the relationship she desires when my little girl is using him for safety and protection. So did I want to break up with him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not healing from heartbreak and coming back home to the self. So uh, I don't think I can fully, truthfully, honestly answer that yet because it's still so new. But I've done so much the past 10 years to heal from the pain and the shame of the heartbreak 10 years ago. Like I was so in love with that partner. That's probably the last time I really feel my heart so open. I just loved this person so much. And there was so much chaos and destruction for my life, not honoring my truth. Like I knew that that person couldn't love me the way that I desired for him to love me. And I would break up with him and he would come back and tell me all the things that I wanted to hear. And then through not honoring that truth, like my knowing was he can't love you the way that you desire, Rebecca. And then look at the pain that happened, the cheating, the herpes virus, the shame and the pain of that. That's why with Jake, even though I love him so much, I have to honor this voice right now. It might not be the voice forever. Like a part of me is like, please voice, like change. When you change, I'm so honoring you. And I can't lead it to catastrophe and destruction like I once did. I have to honor that. I have to honor that. It's the most loving, healing thing that I can do for myself and for him. But what's really funny, I have done around this ex, I have done so much forgiveness, so much cord cutting, just so much around the pain of that relationship. And I never miss him, but I, what I really have missed up until now is how heart open and how much I just loved that person, how much I loved pouring into him, how much I loved doing things for him, like acts of service in relationship up until now. And someone asked me if it was for something, I'm like, fucking do it yourself, <laughs> like truthfully. Whereas there's this past version of me that was like, oh my God, I would love to do something for you to make your life easier to pour into you. And again, from being hurt, I've lost connection with that piece of me. And this breakup with Jake, I'm going to share something really vulnerable with you. Up until now, I feel like the cord with this past ex has never truly been cut. And I've not frequently dreamed of this person, but maybe a handful of times in my life, he comes into my dreams. And in my dreams, I'm like chasing this ex and I'm begging him to choose me. Begging. I'm like, I love you so much. Choose me choose me, please marry me. I want to marry you. Just choose me. And he never, 
in these dreams, he always pushes me away. He never chooses me. And it's so interesting. I break up with Jake. I get on the plane to Bali. I have my first night in Bali. I fall asleep and I go into the deepest sleep. And in this dream, I all of a sudden, I like wake up to this vision and this man's mother is there and his brothers are there and his brothers have hit and he has his back turned to me and his brothers have his hands on his shoulders and they're doing this kind of energy healing, which is weird because he would never fucking do energy healing. And his mum is talking to me and she goes, Rebecca, Beck, sometimes we do this where we let him speak his unspoken dreams in this lifetime. And this man is like bawling his eyes out and he cries and he says, in this lifetime, I never got to marry Beck. And I was just like, it's kind of like the final chord of letting this person go was just cut in that moment. And I was finally fully fucking free of him. And then all of a sudden my heart opened so much more to Jake and all the ineffective ways of being that I had in the face of our relationship and anything that had occurred for him that I didn't at the time feel compassion and empathy for. It was all of a sudden like, oh my God, how I've shown up in the face of relationship to him. So healing from heartbreak and coming back home to the self, I think really just getting so deeply connected to who you are as a woman, the way in which you protect your heart, the desires internally that that exist that you're not currently meeting or not currently allowing, I think they're a massive, massive, massive part of the process. And last question before I complete this, any regrets? I don't have any regrets, but one thing that I will say is in this quest for success, also remembering that I came from extreme scarcity at the beginning of the pandemic, like literally not being able to pay my rent, Once my business started to take off, that felt so empowering and so fulfilling that I went lady balls to the wall in my business. And also because we were in the face of the pandemic, we were so restricted. Life was limited. We weren't able to quote unquote live. We weren't able to just get on a plane and go somewhere. So having a relationship that was just indoors, that wasn't going out and experiencing life, that kind of felt good enough. And it also felt quite beneficial to not be able to go out and do things because I was able to tunnel vision and focus on my business. And then for the first two years, that felt great as I built financial success and empowerment and was able to pay my rent and so much more. And then after the second year, that no longer started to feel fulfilling. And what I really wish I had have done was realize the things that actually light me up. Like I fucking love nightclubbing. I love loud music. I don't love getting drunk, but I love loud music. I love dancing. I wish I had connected more with my desires, more with the things that bring me pleasure, more with the things that bring me joy, and then made a plan to share those desires and those pleasures with the people around me, including Jake, so that we could create more meaningful memories together. So that is obviously a massive lesson. This whole experience has been a massive lesson in what it looks like for a woman to deny her joys what it looks like for a woman to deny her voice, what it looks like for a woman to deny her truth, and what it looks like for a woman to deny her pleasures and the chaos and destruction it can create for her and everyone else in her life when she isn't committed to bringing those parts of her forward and forth. And that's all I have to say. I hope that this episode brought you a lot of of thought-provoking insights around yourself and your own internal connection with self and with truth. I've loved sharing it from my heart to yours. Thank you to every person who has reached out and really 
said to me, I love this community so much. I love my social media so much. So many people have said, Beck, you hold everyone else. How can we pour into you? And it's really reminded me why I put so much effort into my social media, why I put so much effort into the women around me, why I put so much effort into this podcast. Because those of you, some people who I barely fucking know who have reached out and said, I know you're here for everyone, but if you need an ear out, like I'm here for you, you can call me at any time. I just really appreciate you. If you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag me so that I can connect with you and share with me any insights that you received from this powerful, vulnerable, very true, honest share from me today. I'll see you next week, fam. Have the most beautiful, brilliant day. Let's fucking go. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode. 